0: Let me invite you to turn with me to Hebrews. Our Bibles, mine at least, the New American Standard, has the title, The Letter to the Hebrews. I submitted to you for your consideration a couple weeks ago that this, rather than a letter, is a sermon. Uh, A sermon uh, written by uh, really an unknown author. There is a lot of speculation about Uh, who this author is that we will uh, get into as we uh, dig deeply in uh, the the word of God that is before us. But uh, let me just simply say, this uh, preacher is an unknown preacher who preaches nonetheless the word of God, uh, expositing the word, Uh, Preaching from the scriptures of both the Old and uh, the New Testaments. Presenting to us in these first four verses the message that God has spoken. One long sentence we have here before us in verses 1 through 4. Reminding us as he strands the pearls of of, uh, God's word upon this crimson thread, the blood of Christ. The theme of Hebrews, which is ultimately perseverance of the saints. Fixing our eyes, he says, upon Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross despising its shame and has sat down at the right hand, the throne of God. He's done this so that those who hear the sermon might not grow weary and lose heart. Through these words, he encourages his hearers to persevere in the faith, to be faithful to the end. God has spoken, he said, long ago to the fathers in many times and in various ways. He's spoken through the prophets, through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through Moses, through the kings. So that when He speaks finally and uniquely in the One who is His Son, our Savior, we see our Father. We see the divine glory of the One that He sent to take upon Himself our sin. We see His sustaining power as He upholds the world by the word of His power. And understand that the universe belongs to Him. All that we see and we do not see. We understand that His uh, redemption that He came to purchase for the sons and daughters of the one true God is finally and ultimately completed. We see the one who reigns in an exalted position of power and authority at the right hand of God hearing all this, making these, uh, in essence, uh, statements about Jesus Christ and about God, we might have people asking, well, where does the Scripture say so? Where does all this come from? Certainly not out of the simple mind of the preacher himself. Where does it say these things in the Bible? How do we know that all this is true? Because if the Bible is our only rule for faith and practice, where is it that we ought to be able to go to see and understand the truths of this Word? Not only the New Testament, but the Old Testament reveals to us the One who is our God reveals to us Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, who is preeminent. That is, He is above all things. And the writer of Hebrews uses uh, several superlative statements, uh, statements of comparison, if you will, where he goes through and he says, Jesus Christ, you'll note as you read through, is better than, is more superior than, is above all things. Encouraging us, exhorting us with these portions of Scripture in His sermon as we return over and over and over again to that theme. Look to Him as you persevere in your faith. All of this exposition and exhortation that He gives us is woven together with words of, of promise and even words of punishment. Those words we don't necessarily like to hear, but it's words like that that we do need to hear that put us on edge to be careful about how we live out our lives and work out our salvation that God has purchased for us through Christ with fear and trembling because... The writer of Hebrews tells us later on in Hebrews 10.31, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now when we get here to verse 4, the preacher of Hebrews makes one of those superlative statements that Jesus is better than the angels. And he goes into great detail, supporting that with Old Testament Scripture. So turn with me, if you will, if you have your Bibles with you, to Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 3 as we ease our way into this passage reading through chapter 2, verse 3. Hebrews 1, verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels wind? And his ministers flame fire. But of the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of His kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And then Hebrews 2, 1 through 3. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. The grass withers. The flowers fade and fall, but the words of our Lord God endure forever. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we do pray that you would direct our thoughts, direct my mouth, open our ears, all of our ears, that we might hear and know that you have spoken to us with power and authority through one who is above every name, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? How the author of Hebrews begins to introduce the superiority of Christ over all things. Where does he begin? He begins with a topic that many of us have questions about, have thought about, have spent a lot of time thinking about. Angels. Those angelic beings that the writer of Hebrews simply says are ministering spirits called to do His bidding, His will. It's apparently angels that occupied a great deal of time this original audience. We know from Paul's letter to the Colossian church that there was a a diversion, a heresy, if you will, that was going on during the first century that uh, focused upon the spirit realm above the physical realm. Why angels? Why now? Well, I believe it's, it's because, as I mentioned last week, the, the writer of Hebrews here is directing his attention, directing his focus, his exhortation and the sermon to a group of people that were tempted to be diverted in their concentrated view of the one who came to seek and to save those who were lost, Jesus Christ. There was a group of people who put great emphasis upon the restoration of God's people, Israel at that time, through the leadership of a prophet, of a priest, and of a king. Three separate individuals. They were taught that a prophet, the Messiah who would come, would come in fulfillment of all the Messianic prophecies. That one would come as a priest who is the Messiah, who would come in the line of Aaron. One would come as a king in the line of David. And they would come as three separate individuals directed, overseen, by the one who is known as the Archangel Michael. Michael would direct all of the uh, activities of these three individuals, prophet, priest, and king. He would superintend the entire restoration of Israel and fulfillment of all the promises of the new covenant found in Jeremiah and other prophets. And this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews is arguing against and directing his argument to he wants to be crystal clear to the people that hear this word that the Lord Jesus Christ if he is considered prophet or the priest or the king whichever These people considered him to be. He is not to be thought of as lower than an angel. Lower than Michael. He's not to be thought of someone who takes direction from an angelic being. You see, the writer of Hebrews says Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the prophet of the priest and the king and those offices in the Old Testament. He explains to us, similar to the way Jesus explained to those disciples who walked with Him on the road to Emmaus, all the things that the law and Moses said about Him and prophets said about Him, about Jesus. He is the one who is the prophet, who is the priest, who is the king. He is the one who is much more superior than the angels. And the writer of Hebrews says he has inherited a name that is more excellent than theirs. We labor long and hard over names, don't we? I mean... When we name children, we uh, try to find something significant to name those children with. It might be an ancestor, it might be a biblical name to explain uh, who we hope that child to be. Names in biblical times were not normally given to a child within 24 hours of their birth, immediately at birth. They were uh, given sometime later and often given to describe some uh, characteristic, whether it be uh, uh, an emotional character or a physical characteristic. Isaac means laughter because... His mother laughed when she heard that she was going to give birth to a child at such a time in her life. Esau, his name means red. Jacob, his name is deceiver. Describing some physical characteristics about them. Moses was given a name. Uh, because it sounds like the word in Hebrew that means to draw out, as in to draw out of the water, Moshe. Abram's name was later changed by God to a name that means father of the multitudes, of many nations. Isaiah's prophecy speaks to us about one who is called Emmanuel, which means God with us the angel of the lord speaking to joseph said she will bear mary will bear a son and you shall call his name yeshua jesus for he will save his people from their sin here's the one that has a name the writer of hebrews says that is above that is greater than the angels for whom the apostle paul uh, says, his name is far above all rule and power and authority in Ephesians one twenty one, and dominion and every name that is named. His name is above all names, not only in this age but also in the age to come that we are living in, that we will live in tomorrow. And he put all things it says in subjection under his feet, and gave him a head as head over all things to the church which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. He is given a name above every name. This preacher establishes in this section here the unquestionable, I trust, superiority of the Son as he references seven Old Testament quotations supporting this main theme that Jesus is more superior than anything in this world. Anything that you can see anything that you cannot see. He is more superior than anything in this world so keep your eyes focused upon Him. Don't get distracted about the things going around. Keep blinders on And look at Him, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. These Old Testament references are really directed to three points. Jesus' unique position, the work that He does being unique above everything else, and His eternal nature Because He is very God, very God. In Hebrews 1, verse 5, the writer says, For which of the angels did He ever say, You are My Son? Today I have begotten You. Now, there's a group of people who say even today that Jesus is a son of God as you might be a son and a daughter of someone. And that Satan is actually the brother of Jesus. And there's some uh, uh, fraternal uh, competition going on right now, this group says, between Satan and Jesus. Jesus. God says, here, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. We've said he is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. And I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Describing that relationship that the father has with the son The Father has decreed all things that come to pass. And the Son, through this uh, eternal agreement of the triune God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Son has agreed to submit to the requirements that God has placed upon man. In order to enter into God's presence, we must be Holy, holy, holy. Have you figured out how to do that? If you have, meet me in my study afterwards and we'll talk about it because I haven't. All I know is that I am not holy, holy, holy. It is by God's grace that any of us are able to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But here is one who has a unique unique position in the presence of God. Here is one who works out for us our salvation perfectly, completely, without sin and without fault. The Son in this position is absolutely unique and if we desire to participate in the blessings that God pours out upon His creation as adopted children, we must have faith in the One who is the Savior. And even that faith, The writer of Hebrews tells us in an indirect sort of way, Paul tells us very directly, is a gift of God. Not a result of works. It is by God's grace that we have faith. Lest anyone boast. Here is one who has a unique position, rule and power and authority, who has completed... His purpose that God has given to him. What the angels do is important. But on the grand scale of things, they are only messengers. That word angel, angelos, in the Greek, you can hear the English word angel, can't you, in that Greek word, angelos, angel? It means messenger. As a matter of fact, if you go out and give a message to someone, you are, in Greek terms, an angel. Now, it doesn't mean that any of us will become angels. Let me put that aside right now. None of us will become angels. They are a created order that has a, a fixed number even now. They do not multiply. They may have wings, that's uh, up for some debate and question, but we know only what Scripture tells us about them. They are not omniscient. They cannot read your mind. Now remember, Satan is an angel of light. He's not omniscient. He may be very fast in the way he sends out his emissaries, but he cannot read your mind. He's um, not uh, omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. Any angel cannot be everywhere at once. They are not omnipotent. Their powers are limited and limited by what God has given to them and only can do what God allows them to do. An angel cannot create or sustain, cannot have faith or be saved. In fact, they they peer over the balcony of heaven and look into the mass of humanity and wonder and marvel at how God has created us, the likes of us, In His image. And how He has reached down into the depths of this earth to save us. See, Jesus has completed His purpose. What the angels do said is important, but in the grand scale of things they are only messengers, ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. They worship the Son. They are ministers for God. The Son is an infinitely higher status and position and purpose. Because he has eternal permanence. Verses 8 through 14 describe for us one, two, three, at least three Old Testament quotes from Psalm 45, from Psalm 102, from Psalm 110. God is the one who has directed our thoughts here, who says, Here is The Lord, your Lord, as he says to him, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Here is the one who is above eternity and time, is the same yesterday, today and forever, whose years will not come to an end. Here's the one, you see in verse 14, who is exalted to the right hand that position of power and authority and completion who intercedes for each one of you who are children of God right now. Who has a name above every name. That every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess in the end that He is Lord. He has a unique position with the Father. He has completed His work and His purpose on behalf of those He came to save. And He has eternal permanence. Angels. A diversion. For those in the first century and for many here and now today. Raising the question, is Jesus enough for you? Is He enough for me? Can He see you through all things with His powerful and mighty hand? There is a great fascination today for angels. Now, for good or for ill, I went to Amazon.com. And I looked at Amazon.com and you can do a search and you can do it and limit it to just books. And I did that and I typed in angels in the search block and you know, I got 80,000 hits for books about angels. Some good. Some I would not necessarily recommend for you to read. Angels one oh one An Introduction to Connecting, Working and Healing with the Angels. Adventures of my Guardian Angel. Angel Therapy Handbook. Angels all around us. There was a song many years ago, Angels Watching Over Me by Amy Grant. Remember the writer of this sermon has said don't get distracted by the things around you. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Don't be uh, torn aside in your focus by worldly wisdom. Jesus is not one way among many ways. He is the way among all ways. And Hebrews challenges us to consider Jesus writer says here in Hebrews 2, verse 1, for this reason. What has he just done? He's just given us all kinds of of Old Testament support and quotes. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Why? Well, there's that so, so that. There's that why clause in that sentence. Pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Hebrews 12, 1. This theme goes throughout all of Hebrews for this reason. Therefore similar word that connects what's gone before, as we know in chapter 11 of Hebrews, is that catalog of saints of the faith. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run a race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising its shame and has sat down where at the right hand of God the Father for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary And lose heart. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. And ask yourself. Is he enough? If you were stripped of everything. Your home. Your means of employment. Fixed or otherwise. Your source of food. Water. Electricity. Would Jesus be enough to sustain you, to encourage you, to see you through the difficult times that all of us have been through and may go through even yet tomorrow? Is Jesus enough? The angels as glorious and exalted as they are, notice uh, here how the author of Hebrew points that in the very last line, and he's not downplaying angels as God's heavenly messengers. They are servants of God. They are not all ministering spirits. He says, "Are they? They are sent out to render service for the sake of those who inherit salvation. As glorious and exalted as they are, no angel ever humiliated himself for you, for a son and daughter of God. No angel ever hung on a tree bearing the full weight the sins." Of those that Jesus came to save. Angels, as I said earlier, long to look in the mystery of the relationship that God has through Christ His Son with His people, those created in His image. But it is the Son who is superior to every angel that may be mentioned in the Scriptures, who is master of all those angels, who is king of kings, ruling and reigning over all creation, who is the creator of this world, who holds all things together by the, power of it, by the word of His power and sits at the right hand of God and has shed His blood for you. And the Father says, see, See what my son did for you. For those he came to seek and to save, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be accepted, you could be brought into the family of God by adoption and inherit all of the things that I promised to my son. You see what he endured for you? Don't be distracted by the things of this world. Or the things of the, of the the spiritual realm, because we know they are just as real, if not more real, than the pew that we're sitting on, than the podium I stand upon. No angel ever did any of those things for you. Jesus is all we need. Is he enough? You see, this persevering faith in Christ involves trusting wholly and completely. Ultimately, in things we can't see. And trusting in the sufficiency, the completion and the authority and the power and the rule of the One who is Jesus. A name above every name. Heavenly Father Almighty God we are humbled that you would create us in your image that you would give us knowledge righteousness and holiness oh certainly the the fall of adam has Allowed sin to enter into the world. And all of us, by Adam's fall, have lost communion with you, our God, are under a wrath and curse and made liable to all the miseries, the sins of this world forever. But we're thankful, O Lord, that you have sent one to seek and to save those who are lost. We're thankful, Lord, that he has completed the work that Adam was required to do in a garden that he failed so miserably at, and that is submitting to you, our Father, in all things. And doing so without sin. Doing so perfectly that we might have You are Savior, Jesus Christ, as the head of this body, your church. Father, we do pray that each and every day we would submit more and more every area of our lives and our thoughts, our words, even our emotions, to the rule of the one who is our king, as he sits in authority, a position of power and might, having completed the work you gave him to do, that we might come to you with all confidence and boldness and know that you are our God and we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Father, make Jesus sufficient for all things in our lives today and tomorrow. We pray in His name. Amen.